The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, there she is. I couldn't see you for a second, Nancy. Good morning. And welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Offscott Jackson. And I'm Shannon Penrod. And I don't want to start by saying, Nancy, how was your birthday? My birthday was amazing, Shannon. Thank you for helping kick it off this week here. And uh, I always celebrate my birthday week. It, it becomes a week-long celebration. And I just had the most perfect day, I have to say. I went to lunch with about nine of my great girlfriends and was showered with gifts and wonderful things. And then I take a creative writing class. So I had that in the afternoon. So that was just how I wanted to spend my birthday. That is fantastic. And I love that you celebrate the week. You know, our friend Elaine Hall says it's your birthday month month i know they do that at the miracle project they celebrate all the months and do sing-alongs which are really fun so you get a, you get a whole month okay great i'll, <laughs> so, take, I'll take it <laughs> we're saying good morning to ganja and to steph uh hi to both of you so thrilled that you're both here uh we're just uh we're continuing to celebrate Nancy's birthday. Uh, and I also want to say that uh, what's fun for me now is that your birthday is the same day of one of our viewers that I, that's been on the show, Carrie Mallory Thompson. So we're also oh, yeah. uh, doing a shout out to her because it was her birthday the okay. same day. Birthday. Two of my favorite autism moms and uh, sharing a birthday. Right. Uh, do you think there's anything to that thing about like, are you into astrology? Are you into when somebody is born and, and feel that that, predicts some things i you know i had that done i had my chart done many years ago so i don't remember much of it and i know they say it's important to note like when you're on the cusp of yes. something it's not necessarily yeah. your sign is the total the thing you have to pay attention to totally but being on the cusp and all of that so um i don't know i you know i think there's something to astrology i just noticed that um at certain times of the year it's all these people that I know their birthday. Right. Like, uh, yeah. And, but for me, November is like, whoo, birthdays end to end. Right. Uh, birthdays. And there's a small group of people that's from the middle of May through the middle of June that are really important to me. And then there's a bunch of people that, and when, I, you know, when I'm noticing my friends that it's crazy in March. Uh -huh. Like there's just a lot of Pisces people in, in my, uh, in my life. 
So I don't know, like, I don't know whether that means anything, but I just noticed, wow, I'm friends with a lot of people that have very similar birthdays. Uh -huh. And then there are long stretches in the, in the year where it's like, it's one person's birthday, two people's birthday, but then it'll say, you know, that you have 17 friends that have a birthday today. Right, right. So crazy. Anyway, uh, we're going to be with you guys live for the next hour talking about everything uh, and anything as it relates to us, all of us and the autism community. We want you guys to know that we love it when you interact. Many more of you are writing in. Good morning, Christina. Um, and we love it when you do that. So let's just go over some of the different ways that you can be watching the show. We're live right now. It's Friday, the 14th of May, and we're excited to be here with you this morning. If you're watching us live, you're probably watching us on YouTube, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, or on our homepage, autism-live.com, although there's about 20 other places that we're live right now. So we welcome all of you. But if you're on those big ones, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, you have the ability to interact with us directly right now in real time. You type in something and we can see it right here on our screen, which is super fun. And I, I think it's the most fun part of the, you know, the time that we get to spend together. But I also want you to know, not everybody can watch the show live. I mean, it's just not possible for everybody to catch us at this time. So we are uh, a free podcast wherever you, a free download wherever you get your podcasts. And um, we love being available to you in that way. And there are many places now, Nancy, where you can get us either the picture and sound or just the sound because many of you had said to us, well, I'd like to take you on my run or on my walk or in the car or whatever. So you can do that. We are a free download. So please check that out. And they're saying happy birthday to you, uh, Nancy. Nancy's birthday was last Wednesday, just two days ago. So we're super, we're super happy that she went around the sun again because we love her so. Thank uh, you. We got a great guest for you today, Vince Redmond. Is and you know us. what? Speaking of birthdays, I noticed it was his wife's birthday this week. I noticed that too. Yeah. And uh, and I saw that she was going someplace really special. I'm wondering if he got to go with her. We'll have to ask him. We'll have to shake him down for that info. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and uh, so he's going to be joining us in just a little while. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. If you have questions for a licensed marriage and family therapist, be writing that in uh, to us right now. But first on Fridays, Nancy and I like to go through some of the more recent news from the week. And I don't, Nancy, did you watch Saturday Night Live last week? I did not watch it with Elon Musk. Did you watch it? Well, you know, normally we watch it live um, when it's early because I, I just can't stay up that late anymore, which is a sad state of affairs because that used to make me cringe when people would say that. Because right. I, yeah. you know, when I was younger, to go to bed before two o'clock in the morning was like crazy talk, right? And now it gets to be 11 o'clock and it's alarm bells are going off. So you. we usually watch it at the 8.30, but we were busy and we forgot to tape it. Right. So we were like, oh, we're going to have to watch it at 11.30. And my phone blew up. Everybody and their brother was texting me saying, oh my gosh, did you see it? Did you see what he said? And we're talking about Elon Musk first in the news here. Yes. Uh, I did not see it, but... Uh, you brought it to my attention. And for some reason, I don't know where I was under a rock or something. I didn't even hear about it. Oh man. Everybody in the world, like my phone was just going bzz, 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 and right. 
And Jim said, what is going on? And I looked and, and everybody was saying, did you see Elon Musk? And because um, Traven has got me so much talking about Bitcoin, I thought it was going to be about his Dogecoin or whatever you call it. But then nobody was saying what he said. And then fin finally somebody said he came out. And I was like, so Elon, I don't, I, and then, then finally somebody said, he said he's the first person on the autism spectrum to host the show. Right. And I said, right. oh, so then we stayed up and watched at 1130. Um, and it was very, he's the first autism person with autism to host a show, which he admitted he has Asperger's. And yep. um, he's not, however, the first person to be on the show with autism. That belongs to Dan Aykroyd, who uh, also said that he was on the autism spectrum when he well he he very quickly said what well, elon musk said well i'm the first person you know on the autism spectrum to host and then he said well the first person to admit it and then of course that created a whole debate in our house about at what point did dan dan Aykroyd say that he was on the spectrum which was well after he was off the show right, right. Uh, and we were going to look up because i I'm, I'm like did dan Aykroyd never host SNL, I'm sure that he must have, right? Yeah, it makes yeah. sense that he would. But in any case, and then Elon Musk told a couple of jokes. I don't, you know, um, uh, and, you know, it was a very interesting, but it, I thought the, the thing that he said that I most loved was that he said, look, you guys, um, I'm, a, I'm a guy who wants to put a man on Mars and is creating the ship to do it. And I make cars that, I don't remember what it was he said, something like, I make cars that can drive your Starbucks to you. You had to figure that I was a little bit different. <laughs> and, and I thought, well, now there's, like, there's a message that I love being put out there. And there's been a firestorm of people saying that it's done a, a good thing for the Absolutely. autism community. For Elon Musk to say this, that it just adds credence to this, you know, we're here, we are different. It's not less than, in fact, sometimes it's more than, and that it can be cool and you don't have to look like, it. like I just thought he was, I, I, I must admit, I could not stay up for the whole thing. I've got it taped. I still haven't watched it, but I thought he did remarkably well in the skits because I thought mm, this is one of the first times they've had somebody who's clearly not an actor. Uh, and he, I thought he held his own for what I saw. I, I intend to watch it this weekend. And as you said, Shannon, this has really ignited a frenzy of conversation about this. You pulled a very interesting article written by a young man on the autism spectrum who uh, was really welcoming this because uh, saying that, you know, this draws attention to the fact that those of us on the spectrum aren't necessarily all underachieving, underfunctioning. But the article went on to talk about how there aren't a lot of jobs for those on the spectrum. And Steven Silberman, who is also autistic, who is a well-known uh, pundit on all things autism, said what will really be the test will be how many people Elon Musk hires on the spectrum and gives jobs to. So, um, you know, it, it's a great point of debate. I think it can only be good, uh, you know, pr probably prior to Elon Musk, uh, Temple Grandin is the most well-known high achieving person with autism. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you can find the article that Nancy's referencing in Newsweek. Um, 
and take a look at that. But there have been many people chiming in saying that this is this is a big moment uh, for the autism community and that we'll take these wins whenever we can get them. Right. So um, I, I, I thought good on him. And I also loved that his mom came out. It was the it was the pre Mother's Day show. Right. So we got to right. see Elon Musk's, Musk's mom for a minute, which, you know, I wanted to see. I was like, right. where's the mom? I'm always where's the mom? I want to meet the mom. So uh, we might have to reach out to her and invite her to be on the show. That would be great. I would love to have Elon on, but I'm going to guess he's busy. He's a little uh, but maybe, who knows? Maybe he'll want to come know. on and talk about it. doesn't about. hurt to ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. Well, Temple Grandin, uh, I don't remember whether it was the, when I was talking to her on the air or not on the air, but I said to her, I said, have you ever met Elon Musk? And she was like, no. And I said, well, then we should make that happen. Um, so, all right. I, I've got my work cut out for me. But okay, moving on. Talk about, um, you know, having special abilities and special interests and being successful using those. Our next article comes to us from Spectrum and um, from their news division. And it's about the fact that people are now studying when um, somebody has a special interest. And I found this really interesting, Nancy, because there's a lot of people who talk about perseverations right, and right. your kid is perseverating and is compulsive about something. And I always feel like that's like looking at the glass half empty. It definitely um, is. This article that you pulled, Shannon, in Spectrum News is absolutely fascinating. It's quite a long article. We encourage everybody to go to it. Um, it presents lots of research studies. I mean, they're so numerous in the article that look at all sides of this issue of special interest and or perception, as you say, Shannon. And I love it that you think of it as a positive because I look at some of my son's perceptions and view a lot of them as a positive. His interest in art and in stemming water led to him doing a lot of art. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Um, but they mentioned Temple in this article about her special interest in animal livestock um, and automobile restorer John Elder Robeson, uh, famous for turning their special interest into careers, which yeah. we, you know, applaud wholeheartedly. Yeah, and it's sort of like all of our articles today kind of have a theme running through yeah. them for me about if you um, are someone who has a special interest and that that is fed that what this article um, showed us is that those people, when they were doing their special interest thing and had turned it into a living, were dealing better with their stress, that they had less anxiety, that they reported, when I'm doing the thing that I love, I feel good about myself and I feel good in my skin, which is what we all want, right? Absolutely. Um, and as a parent, I found that really really interesting. So instead of being afraid of your child's perseveration to put quarters into that bank, it doesn't mean that you ignore everything else. But, you know, if, if you have a child who's interested in trains, instead of saying to yourself, well, how, you know, I'd like to get him interested in making his bed. And Stephen Shore talked about this the other day on the shore, uh, on the show, that you know, like, let's find a way that we can make them, uh, you know, the interest that they have in trains have to do with their bed, you right. know? Right. 
so that they're, you know, they'll want to be making their bed because they've got their training sheets on it or whatever. That like, instead of saying, let's take that thing away, let's feed that more. Right. And you can also look at special interests differently by looking, by transferring them to functional skills, which we've uh, had Logan Shepard on the show. And he used to do his hand movement, which when he had drumsticks put in his hand, now he's a brilliant rock and roll drummer. So that shows you how you can take sometimes, you have to look at them through a different lens. And therapists can often find ways of turning those special activities and interests into functional behaviors. Yeah, and I think it really comes down to like, what is the lens we're looking at this through? And I, and I love that in this article in Spectrum, I want to encourage people to go and read it. It's, it's about how we look at these special interests and they're starting to do more studies on them and see that we do need to encourage it. It's not the thing to be afraid of. Now on the flip side of that, we have another article from Spectrum News um, that's about hypomania. Um, and this particular article cautions us that Uh, It's an amazing twin study that came out of Sweden that they're still doing, but they've got quite a bit of data right now that basically what I got from this is that kids, kids who are on the spectrum, who are exhibiting um, a sleep, sleeplessness, um, who are, yeah, excitability, Yeah, that they are going to be more likely to exhibit that as teenagers and have that potentially develop into something that will be considered um, uh, uh, something that's diagnosable as a mental disorder. Right. uh, Shannon, they also mentioned a correlation with bipolar disorder that the results of this study support the overlap between autism and bipolar. Uh, observed in genetics, which I don't think that I really had ever thought about before, Nancy, about a connection between autism and bipolar, because so much of the time before, before we, the DSM-5 changed, they would talk about how, you know, you would get one diagnosis and you may have elements of something, but you still had your main diagnosis. And that changed a little bit with the DSM-5 changing back in, what was it, 2013? And, um, and so I was sort of surprised to hear that 11% of people um, with autism have a bipolar disorder. Did that sort of surprise you and jump out at you? It did surprise me, but then as I further reflected on it, I thought, you know, I can see that as a reality. Yeah, I, I guess I thought I was just putting that more into autism symptoms than bipolar symptoms. Right. And the difference, right. which gets pointed out very poignantly in this article, is that when you're treating someone for autism symptoms with anxiety, you maybe your first thing wouldn't be to jump to medication, whereas when you're treating somebody for bipolar, it would be that you would, you would treat this um, with, uh, as a psychiatric condition and you would treat it with certain um, drugs, you know, anti-psychotic Shannon, drugs. Yeah, Shannon, it's something that all should be aware of, parents particularly should be aware of, um, because if you do see signs of hypomania or bipolar disorder, the extreme mood swings, your child may need 
to have um, extra attention on that aspect of their behavior. And I have a friend, for example, who has four kids on the spectrum. She's got two sets of twins and the older boys are higher functioning and they've both been diagnosed with bipolar and are on a medication called Seroquel to treat that. So it is something that I think an awareness is really good. Yeah, the big takeaway for me, because I go through a lot of different machinations and say that they're still studying these group of groups of twins because they were looking at this, is there a genetic component? And they do believe that there's a strong uh, genetic component in this. But the takeaway that they're saying is that there may be a subgroup that is at risk for developing hypomania and that that's really all we can say right now. But I think one of the bigger takeaways is that if you have kiddos, young kids that are having anxiety, don't just think it's going to go away and they're going to grow out of it. You're actually potentially creating a circumstance in which it will get worse. So my big takeaway from it is if you've seen those signs in your child that they are having lots of anxiety, that they're having difficulty sleeping, um, that if they're very excitable, that to be aware of that and to start having a conversation with both your behaviorist and your pediatrician. Um, that was what my takeaway was. How about you, Nancy? Yeah, that's my takeaway as well. Just to be aware and um, you know, you don't wanna overlook something where your child could potentially get help in an area that, that they're not. So just something but I, to do that. But I, but I also wanna say that because we have this running theme through all of our, our articles today, and we're about to get to the best one, which is something to do that isn't medication, I think that encouraging, finding the thing that your child is the most interested in as a child, and feeding that, because we know that the, that a, adults who their parents did that were happier and had less anxiety later on um, and are doing better. So, mm, you know, like, why don't we encourage them to do the things that they want to do? Sometimes it's hard, though, Nancy, because parents are like, well, I don't know what my child's special interest is. They haven't found it yet. How do I help them find it? And our last article today, uh, which I loved, came from Love. very... Very Well Health, um, and the title of the article is How to Help an Autistic Child Build Artistic Skills. Woo, just love this. Um, and and I, I, it's an extensive article, um, but one of the things that I love about it is that it talks about why including your child in the arts is going to help them with things like focus, with things like anxiety, all those things that we just talked about that you might be afraid of. And, yeah. and both of us, I think, can speak to this effectively, but Nancy, you know, oh my goodness, I certainly thought of Wyatt the minute I saw this and I was so yeah. happy you sent over some wonderful artifacts that if Traven can bring up for us, um, but talk to us about what art has meant in, in Wyatt's life. Okay, well, as this article says, it can enhance inclusion, self-confidence, and communication. And in the case of my son, Wyatt, who is now 19, uh, he very early, oh, there's Wyatt in a t-shirt that he designed, courtesy of Shannon, who turned us on to this amazing website called Le Galeriste. And we took one of his paintings, sent it in to them, and it was made into a beautiful t-shirt and people are stopping him on the street and 
in class and at church saying, where do I get one of those? Which is just so exciting. So that's- Raven, can you full screen it? Because I think it is literally a work of art. Um, look at that, you guys. It's absolutely stunning. It's just so beautiful. If you see um, that in the background there is his art studio, which he has commandeered a part of the kitchen and made that into his art studio, um, where he paints every morning and every night. Um, somebody just wrote in, cool. Thank you, Lisa. Um, absolutely. It, it just has, you know, art has been such an escape for him and a reward for him. I want to encourage parents if they do see artistic ability in their kids. I think there's another photo I sent in of Wyatt when he was much younger. Uh, I don't know whether Trayvon can find that of him painting. Um, it was in the second was, email that I sent you, Trayvon. He liked to swim as a child with water. So putting a paintbrush in his hand he allowed him to take that uh, repetitive behavior and do something functional with it, which was just, you know, we kind of, it just developed on its own, quite frankly. So if your child does have a lot of um, activity like this, you might try that, putting uh, a marker in their hand or a paintbrush in their hand. And what we found, Wyatt is in inclusive classes, has been in high school with typical kids, neurotypical kids, and competes on the same level wins art awards. Um, he won um, a major award about five years ago from the state uh, PTA reflections. There it is. That's a, uh, it's like a sculpture. What we did was we took an old wine carton. He found the wine carton and he painted the wine carton on both sides. And we called it the colors of my mind. And he won a major, he was recognized for that statewide um, in, the, in the reflections contest. And we went up to San Jose and he was on stage and presented an award, which was just, I have to say, such a thrill and so great for him. I can't even express my gratitude at what this has given him and his self-confidence. And we intend on nurturing this skill for a lifetime. We're in the process right now putting together a website for his art. And yeah, and we, um, in the garage, you, you would hate to see my garage because what Wyatt does is he paints cartons um, very, uh, he obsessively paints cartons. So I call him an echo artist, eco artist, because he takes recycled cartons like this wine carton and uh, paints them and turns them into work of arts. And what I'm gonna do is put them together on giant boards and make big uh, collages out of them. In my spare time, I'm gonna do that. That's on yes. my So, Well, we've been saying forever, we need to do an installation piece with Wyatt's work. I have two pieces of Wyatt's work hanging in my office, which I haven't seen in over a year, but, um, <laughs> Uh, what I love, and somewhere, Trayvon, you've got a picture. Oh, there's a that. cross that he made <laughs> out of both Starbucks, Starbucks cartons that we wired together and put out in the yard for Easter. I just, I mean, it's just stunning. It's just absolutely stunning. And his use of color, um, there are so many things I could say about this, but I love somewhere you've got in there, Trayvon, a picture of him when he is just, 
I, I mean, he's knee high to a grasshopper. He's a baby and he's in this oversized. That's Look at that. His, that's another one of his paintings. That's the montage that he did for the reflections contest, uh, taking a photograph of. So you see these translates into amazing pieces of art that you can photograph and you could use that as a print, for example. I want that on a scarf, on that, on that we, thing. We have it on the scarf, on the Le Galleries website. I'm getting one because okay. it's absolutely, I mean, look at that. It is just so beautiful and it's so evocative and it makes me happy. So, uh, but I love, there's a picture of him, um, Traven, where he is just a baby and, and we've got there he look is. At him. And he's painting because this is in his soul. First of all, you can't name a child Wyatt Jackson and not expect a painter. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, come on. Is that like the, the name that I can picture the wing of the museum, the Wyatt Jackson uh, artwork Shannon, museum, from your right? lips to God ears. We call it Y-Art, W-Y-A-R-T by Wyatt. He's just, and, and look, you know how you know that this is what is in his soul is that this is what he wants to do. If you give him five minutes, he wants to paint. And, uh, you know, we don't do this much anymore, but you and I used to talk pretty much every single day. And I would, after dinner, and we would talk on the phone. And one of my favorite things, Nancy, would be that you guys would do this dance together. So you'd be on the phone with me and, and Wyatt does colors of studies before he'll paint. So it's like, you know, the person who does all of the, um, the exercises on the piano before they sit down and, and, and play the concerto, he does these studies of colors and, and he'll ask you, you know, he'll paint a color and then he'll change the, the, the shade slightly and he'll ask you to name the color. And you'll be on the phone talking to me or whoever. And then you guys do this and say, mom, what color is this? And you say, I don't know. That's kind of a robin's egg blue. And then, you know, we'll talk some more and then he'll go, okay. And he changes the color. He goes, what color do you think this is? You say, that's more of a cornflower blue. And you guys go through this dance together that is absolutely beautiful. Which, and in, itself, which in itself was a sort of perseveration that uh, we thought, well, is this good? That he keeps asking me, what color is this? What color is this? What color is this? But I think it's the dance that you guys do. I mean, we all have different things that we do as parents and it's uniquely the two of you. And I tell you, Nancy, I tell you all the time that I think you're a wonderful mother. Oh, and you, look, I, I know that all of us on the spectrum, somebody tells us we're a mother and what's the first thing we think? All the things we're not good at and all the moments where we weren't winning the award and the moment when we lost our temper and, and or we, something happened in public and you're like, oh, everybody must think I'm a terrible parent. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's the quiet moments at home when nobody's looking that we are the best parents that we are. And I'm telling you, it's been a privilege to see that dance that you do with Wyatt when, you know, those are the moments when you are parenting, you're feeding his soul. And, and he's a brilliant painter in part because of that, because you're such an amazing mom. So, you know, but look at all the things that it has done for him. It, it is a way that he communicates to the world. And one of the things that this article tells us is that when we allow kids to do art, art allows you to communicate in ways that aren't vocal. Uh -huh. That you can, you can dance what you're feeling. You can dance what you want. You can paint what you see. You can write things. You know, I'm seeing that now with my son that he can write things that he can't say 
Right. And it's beautiful. So giving our kids the chance, the opportunity to find the artist within. Um, it, and so see I want to bring up, I, I see a comment from a parent that says, it's Lisa, Lisa May. Um, she said, that's great. My son paints, but prefers to dump paint, can be expensive. But let me just say, I know you probably don't have a giant art studio at home, but maybe you could go outside and let him dump some paint on a big canvas and you might be astounded at the work of art that comes out of that. There's a young man named Nicholas Contaxis who is on the autism spectrum. Nicholas had severe seizure and has severe seizure disorder. His mother, Chris Ann, is an artist. She wisely put him in, in her art studio, noticing he loved to find different colors of paint and take a big trowel and use that trowel to paint with his artwork is selling. I can't, I don't even want to tell you what it's selling for. I mean, Amazing. we're talking, I think he's had pieces sell in six figures. Yeah. And, and for big, because there's such big pieces of work, they go in big office buildings, big hospitals, big, I would say to that mom, because I hear the part about it can be expensive with the paint, but where there's a will, there's a way. I remember when Nancy was like, my gosh, you know, why can do three canvases in a day and not even blink and canvases are expensive. And then all of a sudden you started doing the Starbucks things and, and it's unique to him and right. everybody wants a Starbucks and it's not costing her a fortune. So what I would tell you to do Lisa May is that go to your local Home Depot or your local Lowe's or whatever paint store, the Sherwin-Williams store, and go to them and say, I know that people turn in leftover paint and cans to you for you to dispose of because, you know, paint is something you can't just throw away and say, I've got a kid on the spectrum and he likes to do huge works of art painting. Can I get your leftover paint? And if they won't give it to you, there's recycling centers that have to recycle and it's this whole big thing with the leftover paint. I'm thinking that there's a way that you can get all the paint that you want and not have it cost you a penny. Yeah, Christina, um, Christina Mills said her older son was into art and created beautiful lawn art. Um, so very interesting. I'd love to see some of that lawn art, Christina. Um, there's um, different types of art you can create. So try to maybe, you know, it might be a wonderful accident that you find an accident of genius that you find a way your child can excel in this. And it's not all, you know, I got to be honest that it's one of those things where you got to, you got to throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. Um, not everybody's an artist, not because some kids, you know, will do it for five minutes and then they move on to the next thing, but other kids want to sing and other kids want to dance and other kids want to play the piano. Right. Um, you know, I used to love it. I'm sure that soon they'll come back with this, but in Pasadena, they used to do this thing once a month where they would, the orchestra, the Pasadena orchestra had a musical petting zoo. And the first time that we went to it, I was like, what's a musical petting zoo. But basically what they did was they laid out every instrument in the orchestra out on tables with the musician standing behind it and children could stand in line and they, and believe me, we had trouble standing in line. So they would allow one of us to stand in line and my son would be off to the side. And then the child, when it was their turn and they got to the front and they were disinfecting everything between, uh, even before the pandemic, 
the child got to try the instrument. And I'm telling you, it was just so amazing because you would see in real time that, you know, maybe your kid was not into the tuba, but the violin, they wanted, they didn't want to leave that one. It's just a, one of those, because otherwise, when would you get the opportunity to have your child try out 32 instruments? Exactly. Um, so looking for those kinds of things or people that you know that are artists, like ask if they, if they can make a video or, you know, do a Zoom call with your child to show your child something. You're just throwing things out there. I think of Spencer Hart, who, you know, was speaking only limitedly. And then one day her mother just happened to have the PBS channel on and it was playing um, the uh, Phantom of the Opera, uh, the recording of the Broadway version of it. And she was in the other room doing her hair and makeup and her daughter, it was just on. And then she heard her daughter sing to the Phantom of the Opera and came out and went, what's happening? And her daughter could sing. And Spencer tells you now, and Spencer has sung all over the world, has sung all at the White the House twice. In, in front of the United Nations, at the White House. I mean, you name it, she's been I'm, there now. And she's so talented. And, and she's, she just she, recently got a feature film role. Yes, which is amazing. We can't wait till that comes out. And, and she's right now featured in Boys Don't Wear Dresses, which if you haven't seen, you need to see. But um, Spencer will tell you, she says, when I sing, the autism goes away. And, you know, it just moves to the side. And she has this clear channel to sing. So don't be afraid. I think our lesson for today from our news today is don't be afraid to feed your child's passion. And don't be afraid to try the arts to see if their passion is there. Yeah. Okay. So many great comments coming in. Christina, uh, Lisa, Lisa May said great ideas, refreshing to hear someone that can relate. And then we've got Christina Mills, who says her youngest loves to listen to different songs and help um, with this communication. We're working on listening to minutes of song because uh, he's five and has a communication of 18 months, but music turns him on. So this, we really encourage you to explore this. It's such an exciting area, I think. So uh, I, I can't believe how late it is. We got so excited talking about this. We haven't <laughs> brought Vince in and Vince, been, Vince has been waiting patiently. Let's, without further ado, let's bring Vince in here. Vince Redman is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He's a regular here on Autism Live because of his amazing soul and wonderful expertise. Vince was a behavior technician for many, many years, still supervises some kids, but he's also a licensed American family therapist. So he gets it on all kinds of levels. You're, you're such a good dad too, Vince. Oh. And I sort of, even though I'm significantly older than you, you're such a dad presence, even in my life that, you know, you're somebody that we all run to that we confide in, who's calm and steady and keeps the, you know, keeps the boat afloat. We were saying early a very happy birthday to your wonderful wife. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, what, what what day was her birthday, Vince? Tuesday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Yeah. So we're one day apart. I saw her on Facebook and looked like she had a rocking birthday. Yeah, she did. She had a good birthday. It's it this is always a a, a busy time for me because we have Mother's Day. My daughter's birthday was on Sunday, so it was on oh. Mother's Day this year. And then we have Debbie's birthday on Tuesday. And sometimes that's on Mother's Day. So I have three 
three things always rotating this weekend. So you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Hey, but I knock it all out in one weekend, right? Making the special, <laughs> making the special happen. And they're writing in saying that they love you, Vince. We all do. I, I chose the topic today because a lot of people have been writing in about this and all the different things that I do saying that with everything that's changing and everybody's thing is changing at a different pace, different time, but a lot is changing right now. The rules are changing. Even yesterday we saw the CDC change the rules again. And, you know, I'm not good at change. (laughs) And a lot of our kids aren't good at change. And even if you, even some change that I want, I'm not good at it. And it can be anxiety provoking for all of us, knowing what the rules are, being within the rules, not liking the rules, liking the rules, whatever. I think it's causing a lot of anxiety. So I, I wanted to open it up and start and say, like, what advice do you have for us as families um, with folks on the spectrum about how do we deal with all the changes that are happening as we open up after COVID? Right. And, and, and it's confusing for all of us, right? I mean, it's not only confusing for, for our families and, and, you know, that already struggle with, with change, but we're getting a lot of mixed messages and we continue to get mixed messages, right? The CDC says one thing, the state says another thing. The state says one thing, the county says another thing, right? So it becomes kind of this, um, you know, uh, who do you believe and where are you going to go right now? Right now, for me, what I say is you want to do what you as a family want to do to be safe, right? Leave, leave the, you know, the political attachments to everything aside. What you as a family believe is safe for your family dynamics is what you want to maintain. It's what you want to continue to do. If you feel safer wearing masks, doesn't matter if you don't have to anymore continue to do it. It makes, it lets you guys feel safe and prevents you, you know, from potentially, um, you know, getting sick. If you feel that um, you got the vaccines and in, in we're ready to, you know, to open up and remove the mask, do that. Is one, Once it's approved by your state and um, county, then you can go ahead and do that. But for me, continue to make the decision yours, not somebody else's right? It's your decision, what makes your family feel safe. And then also what happens when we own that decision, we can plan for it, right? We can start planning ahead when and where we feel secure taking masks on, and we can then start preparing our kids for it. Okay, we're going to go for walks. We don't need masks now. We can take those off on our walks right? So that it becomes paired together with particular activities. Okay, we're going to a restaurant now. We have to do masks on, right? Even though they might not have to, we don't know. The other thing that gets confusing is that private businesses get to make up their own rules, right? They get to decide if they want them or they don't. Okay, but that doesn't matter. Either way, if you feel that it's okay for, or you feel safer wearing them, that's the rule that your family is going to follow. Okay, we're going to go to church. Okay, you know, church is a mask, a mask on. Okay, or maybe it's a mask off. But any way you feel secure with it, that we should start preparing and start talking, at least the adults start talking, how we want to disseminate that decision down to our kids, and then set the plan forward, how we want to attach that, right? And then that will slowly fade as the requirements and mandates and, and you know, uh, restrictions are lifted. Yeah, those are great ideas, 
offense. And, you know, there's a lot of things that um, are kind of scary for our kids. Let's face it. Now, when they're going back into places, maybe they have to have a temperature check and somebody's putting a device on their head and mm -hmm. you have to fill out a form. Have you had, had this or that in the last you know, 24 hours There are all kinds of things that we've had to take on as families that have been a change. And now suddenly the change is happening again. And I, for one, I don't like change either, Shannon, you know that. And um, it's better rather than diving into a cold pool to do it gradually, as Vince says. Right, right. And some of the other things you can do if you have not already done it, because I don't, I think the temperature check is probably going to be the last line of defense to go away. I think that's something that's going to stay around for a long, long time. Because if you think about it, it's very easy. Boom, it comes up red. You cannot come in, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the only measurable way you can see if someone's sick. Um, so what I've what I've recommended families is to buy one, practice it at home, do it at home, make a game of it. It's very you know, it's change and it's unusual. But after you play with it at home, then it becomes non-threatening. It becomes safe. It becomes something that if someone else did it, that you know your child's anxiety goes down. Well, um, thanks, Vince, because you just made me realize too. Because you know, a lot of times I will be having the reaction and go, "Oh, I'm feeling this or whatever." But what you just reminded me is that everything is an opportunity, and that we're trying to work on flexibility with ourselves, and we're trying to work on flexibility with our kiddos, and this is just another opportunity to work on that. And that if we're working on flexibility, then, and we're, and one of the things that we were talking about with Dr. Grampichet the other day was learning through observation. Yeah. And that that's one of the key things that we're trying to teach our kids is to learn by looking at other people and going, okay, you know, the rule here must be blank, right? So um, that since some places the rules are different, looking for where's the way that we would know what the rule is. Like, is the rule at this church that we have to have our masks on and then we follow the rule? Because I've heard that even, you know, there are big places, like you said, private businesses. Like I heard yesterday that even though um, the CDC said you can be without a mask, Disneyland is enforcing masks for everyone at all times. Um, and, and so, you know, when you think about that and you think, okay, well, we need to be able to teach our kids that the, the rule is not hard and fast. It's here and here and here, but that's life. And if we can teach them that and teach them the rule of here's how we look to see, do we wear a mask here? Do we not? Um, what a beneficial thing for them for life. Right. It's a great way to encourage flexibility. And that's, I wonder if you could address, it seems like just now that we've gotten comfortable with having Zoom school, online school, now kids are going to go back to school. There might be a lot of anxiety surrounding that for some of our kids, correct? Right. Well, and you figure social anxiety has always been there when we start school, right? When we start school for every child, I remember us, right? When we, there's a new year and a new teacher and a new class and a new, maybe even campus. And there's that excitement, but also nervousness that's going to come back now. Right. And so we need to prepare for it just like we did back two years ago or a year ago. Right. Um, making sure that we start talking about school. We start talking, going back to campus prior to the start of school to get our kids acclimated again. Again, everything you guys were just talking about, about flexibility training, right? Making it normalize it, or sensitizing them to it so that 
they feel comfortable again because we forget. I mean, I, I'm sure you ladies are the same thing. It's like 2020 didn't exist. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, oh yeah, I did that last year. Wait a minute. No, that would be two years ago now because we didn't do anything last year. So with our kids, it's going to be the same thing. We have to remember it's been two years since they've been on a campus. We have to go back to those strategies so they get used to it again because it's not, it, it's going to be something that's going to be anxiety producing for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that it's weird, Vince, that it's it's not the same story for everyone? Like we have, you and I share a dear friend who, you know, my son is getting ready to graduate from high school in just a couple of weeks and her son is getting ready to graduate. So we tend to like, you know, it's all the same, right? Except right. that then she talks and I realize she's living in a different part of the world than I am where the rules are completely different, that we were we were talking last night about how, you know, we're, we just found out that we're going to get to have an actual in-person graduation, but we're not going to be able to invite very many people and it's got to be outdoors and so on and so forth. And she was talking about the fact that her son, that their whole class gets to go to Disney World uh, this next week uh, in between the last class and graduation because that's how they're, and they had homecoming and they had their prom and, you know, my son hasn't seen anybody for over, you know, well over a year. And it's, I, and it's mind boggling to me that I have to remind myself, oh, everyone has not been as locked down, for instance, as we've been in Los Angeles. So it makes it, I find that we just have to do a lot more perspective taking, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, everywhere handled, you know, handled it differently based on outbreak, based on number of people that are present. I mean, obviously Los Angeles County is one of the most densely populated areas in, in the United States. So it's going to affect that differently than say an area that, you know, that is a lot less densely populated. And that trickles down to the different experiences for our kids, right? A lot of, a lot of kids are getting to it, you know, th this year got to experience sports, that they didn't last year. They got they are going to start experiencing graduations. They're getting back to the grad nights and the nights at Disney World and those kind of things. Obviously, Disneyland just reopened, um, which is where my wife is right now. Oh. Um, well, so I wondered why if you were because I I didn't know if she went yesterday or today. I alluded to that earlier. I said I wonder if Vince went with her because I I knew where you were yesterday. I know where you are today. Are you going to get to join her? No, she's there with her sister. They have two. They they were able to get two tickets, and they're able to go. So that's great. She which was for her birthday, and her sister's birthday was in January. So they're kind of celebrating. They've been reunited. They've been reunified now that vaccines and everything have happened. They they haven't done anything together for over a year. And which we is only a great positive out of this, Vince, yeah. is that you're able to reunite with family members now. Right. And that so goes back to what we're positive. talking about, the graduations and everything. We're able to get back together again. And I think when we're talking with our kids about it, that's the ultimate goal, right? The ultimate goal is going back to the things that they appreciate, the things that they looked forward to. And some of the things that we as families, again, are going to be able to do again. And I think the quicker we're able to start experiencing those, the more those anxieties continue to dissipate. You but know, I think what you Shannon, have you ever read the book Who Moved My Cheese? Yes, years ago. Uh, that was required reading if you were a teacher. Yes, uh, it's an amazing book. Parents can read that. It's simple, it's little, 
and it's all about dealing with change. And I, for one, need all the help I can get in dealing with change. Me too. And, you know, and I'm somebody who does really well with, with isolating. Like, you know, throw me on the side of a mountain for a year, I'm fine. I have not been in a grocery store still since the end of February of 2020. Um, but, you know, we're getting ready to come back out into the world. And I've been making myself go at it very, you know, like do a little bit every day and go a little bit further every day, not jump, you know, directly to the graduation. Uh, and I, and I'm doing that because I've watched us do that with our kiddos, um, that we don't need to take on, I fear for people who go direct directly to Disneyland, if you haven't done some other outings, right. what do you think that's about good, that? Vince? That's a great point. And to, and to that point, I went into the grocery store for the first time Tuesday. Um, cause I had to How buy was it? flowers in a card, <laughs> or flowers in a card. Right. Um, again, it, it, it it was comforting to be honest because it was it was getting back to normal life right the the things that we used to do on a daily basis uh, you know it was kind of wide-eyed like hey look i'm back out again um you know but it was it was nice because it it gave me that sense of we're we're getting back to where we need to be but I agree with you, though. I think desensitizing goes in systematic steps, right? There's a difference between desensitizing and flooding. If you go from a situation of isolation where you haven't been around anyone outside your immediate family for over a year, and then you decide to go to Disneyland as your first venture out, that is going to be extremely overwhelming. Because while Disneyland is only at 25% capacity, that's still thousands and thousands of people more than you have in your home. Um, but what you were saying, Shannon, slowly getting back out is essential. That is important. It's important to start going out, start going on walks, start going to put some you know public places where you feel safe and start working that back up again so that you're able to then start interacting back in your community, back in your your, you know, your social network um, as it becomes more available. And that will continue to reduce our anxiety, but also keep us feeling safe at the same time. Now, Lisa has written in and said, my son will not wear a mask for any length of time. And we all had COVID. Um, and I'm wondering, Lisa, if you can tell us, do you have an ABA program? Um, because this has been a topic that we've been talking about for over a year that I can remember a year ago, Vince, that there were so many people writing in and saying, it's, this just isn't going to happen. Like my kid is never going to wear a mask. I'm not even going to try because it's never going to happen. And we had a lot of specialists on the show at the time talking about teaching mask wearing. There's nothing quite the same as having somebody there to work on it in person right. who's an expert. But I, I, I can tell you guys that even the most hardcore cases where people said it's not going to happen. Those kids are now wearing masks like champs. Yeah. Right. Um, Wyatt, uh, Shannon, Wyatt had an issue, and um, we worked with his ABA team on that issue, desensitizing mm -hmm. him to the mask, and he became great at it, you know, and, and took a, a lot of comfort in finding fun, different masks that he could wear at different days of the week, that kind of thing. We made it yeah, a that's great. pleasurable thing. 
Yeah, exactly. And that was one of the pivots that we obviously had to envelop or, you know, absorb when the pandemic started is we made that into a day, you know, a, a self-grooming lesson, um, just like we would with shoe tying or dressing or, you know, teeth brushing. And because it was a necessity, we made lessons for it so that we would slowly be able to teach them in incremental steps how to wear it and, and how that it was safe and how it was okay. And, you know, especially when they, when the mask started coming out being adjustable and then we could adjust it. So it fit nicely. It wasn't too tight. It wasn't too, you know, too, uh, um, you know, uh, suffocating. And over time, then we would continue to then now use it in, out in, in different situations. But if you're doing this on your own and you don't have a team of ABA therapists, I, you know, then I can see it being something that, is difficult and, and a lot more uh, difficult to do because our, the time is limited, right? However, I think it's something that could be done if it's if there's a specific amount of time spent every day working on just that just that uh, uh, need and, and and that behavior and that skill, we can still get the same result. And I, I appreciate she says I have to pick my battles because yeah. we all have to pick our battles. And at this point in time with the new CDC guidelines, you know, and the fact that you mentioned that you you have all already had COVID, it may not be the thing that you really want to pick the battle for right now. But I got to say that there, even with the new CDC um, guidelines, there are a lot of people, myself included, who are like, I don't think I'm letting go of the mask anytime soon. Because for me to have gone an entire year with not a single cold, not a not a single flu, um, you know, I sort of and Christina says that her son now likes the feel of the mask because it's pressure on his face. I think that there's going to be a big contingent of people who are going to say, "I'm I'm still wearing the mask," uh, and I'm hoping that the rest of the world is going to be accepting of that and not judgmental about that because. I think the one thing we should all be clear about is that it's certainly not one size fits all and it it also isn't one size even fits most. Right. Right. Um, and like I said in the beginning, it's what makes you feel safe and it's what you need to do for your circumstance. Because like you said, everyone's different. You can't tell if someone has a, a compromised immune system you can't exactly. tell from the way they yeah. look. Right. You can't you can't tell them you can't understand that someone who's not wearing a mask to Lisa, you know, to Lisa's point, you don't know that this is a behavioral struggle, that this is something that um, they just had COVID or they have the antibody. We don't know this. So I think the word to everyone is is focus on what makes you safe, focus on what makes you feel comfortable and less on what others are feeling. Right. I just hate it. Understanding. To be understanding and to be kind, we're all going to have to be flexible. I just hate it when our kids, who I have a dog in the room who's having a nightmare. I apologize. Uh, (laughs) Jeez, you're okay. Um, That's why he's yipping. But um, I, I hate it when our kids who already don't have full access sometimes to things, which already makes me crazy, I hate for there to be one more thing that prevents them from being able to do something that they want to be able to do. So that for instance, like Disneyland who's saying, no, we're keeping the masks. I really hate for that to be an impediment 
for our kids because they need to be desensitized to it. So that's why I'm suggesting still, if you have the opportunity to work with a good ABA professional with compassion, help you to desensitize your child so that they can wear the mask and be comfortable like the parent who wrote in and said, you know, now my kid actually prefers it. You know, um, we've seen that happening over the last year. So still a possibility, but you got to pick your battles when you can do your battles. We're totally out of time. Yeah. And Vincent, I'm so sorry because we always love it when you're here. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for being such an amazing, amazing expert. We, we so enjoy you. Uh, I do want to tease a little bit that we've got an amazing author on the show um, on Monday featuring a line of children's books, which talk to and for children about having seizures. Oh, which is a, some, something that we have not seen before, right? So we're really I can't excited wait about to that. See that. Because right? Wyatt had two seizures in the past. And I think it's something that we need to make all of our kids aware of, right. you know, what, what it is to have a seizure, what it feels like, so that even if it's not them, that they have compassion if their friend is experiencing it. It's a thing that we need to shed some light on. So we're really right. excited right. about that. And I also want to tease that next Friday on the show with Nancy, we're having Alex Plank on the show. Oh, great. Um, so Alex is an amazing um, young filmmaker, actor. Um, you've seen him on The Good Doctor. And um, we just so enjoy having him on. He's a wonderful self-advocate. He loves nothing better than to tell me all the ways that my brain is ableist and it helps me. To, uh -huh. to understand from his point of view, he's a fantastic self-advocate. Um, and he's, I, he's, I, I'm going to say this, he's like a younger brother to me that he will give me 68 kinds of, you know, you know what, uh, and tell me when I don't have it right. So uh, we, we love having Alex on. And Alex has a lot to talk about what it's been like in the pandemic and what he's got going on. So we're really going to look forward to that. That'll be right. next Friday. But Vince, you see they're saying how much they love you. They are. So, uh, so thanks for being with us, Vince. When you see your wife, tell her we said happy belated birthday. We will. I will. And have a great weekend, everybody. All right. You too. Take care. We'll see you back here on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for and you. Give, give yourselves a hug from me. Bye, Shannon. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye for now.